Hello and welcome to Podcast Corner with Freedom Road Creative Arts. Today we're talking to three of the old guard of Freedom Road Creative Arts um, on a podcast all about, all for World Social Work Day. Um, in March, we're recording this slightly before. Um, it's going to be going to be used at a conference as well, so that's quite exciting. So I've got three of the old guard of Freedom Road in with me. Um, first of all, do you all just want to quickly introduce yourselves? So today we have with us we have Mark, we have Dion, Sammy, and Sammy, and you guys. How long? Just really quickly, just from all of you, how long have you all like been involved with Freedom Road? Oh, how old? How old are you all now? And when did you start being involved with Freedom Road? And when did you finish? I'm 25. And I started when I was about eight, um, and I finished when I was about 16. There we go. So eight, eight years for Dion. Mark? Yeah, tw- 28, um, and it was when I was like 10 or 11, and I stopped when I was 17. But it felt like 28 years for us. <laughs> it felt like 28 years, yes. <laughs> nice, and Sammy? I'm 26, nearly 27, and I believe I was about... 12 I, I was involved with rap at first and yes. I was about 12 and then I got yeah. into the freedom road you came along yeah. and you sang Miley Cyrus's The Climb for us at the <laughs> then went off stage because um, I got it wrong yeah. I was crying um, yeah and I'm, I'm I've not left yet I'm still here nice nice okay well we're going to come back and talk to Sammy in a minute but um, for this first segment then we're going to be speaking to Dion and Mark um, so uh, Dion and Mark, then, do you want to sort of like introduce yourselves in a way where you're telling us about how long you were in care for and whatnot? Who wants to go um, first? Dion. <laughs> <laughs> so I was in care for pretty much the same time I was in rap. Um, so you, you came to rap when you first got put into care almost? I was there for a few years beforehand, but it was pretty much like the end, coming up to the end of living at home and things got bad and it was like the transitioning period as well. It really helped, to be honest. Great. Um, cool. Okay, Mark? Um, I was in, I started in care when I was eight, um, all the way to... Uh, eight, 18, 19 because I had a residence order. Right, um, okay. So, um, so when did you go into care again? When I was eight years old. When you was eight, so you were both about eight years old. So you've presumably both got early memories of going into care then? Yeah. Absolutely. What What was that like? What was it like when you got put into care? Like, tell us a little bit about like how you felt and, you know, what it was like. I mean, it must be pretty tough. But, um, you know. It was, for me, it was, um, it was quite scary, um, you know. Uh, I remember like crying for two weeks, um, but then I have to suck it up because my brother, who was four years old, was crying in the other room, and I was like, I can't have a childhood because I got to look after him, um, and I have to learn how to smile. And it was like, what I mean by that is like I used to stand in front of a mirror and learn how to smile. So like when social services, carers, and friends were saying, "Mark, you all right?" I used to smile because they wouldn't ask any questions. They would assume I was happy. But inside, I was dying. Yeah. You know, I, I just thought my life was gone. And is this when your family was, when sort of family life, your home life was falling apart? Is this after you went into care or? This was like in, this was like into care. And also like, because when I was, I remember when I was five years old, I saw my mum and dad overdose on heroin, uh, drugs and that lot. Um, I remember coming home from school with my sister and taking the needles out while they was unconscious and sh- sh- you know sharing a tin of beans and that was our tea yeah. Um, and yeah that was basically our life until we went into foster care 
Yeah. Dion, what about you? Yeah, I think Matt's right with the mask that you use. Um, I think one of the things that's important to know is that when you're in that situation with drug addict parents or anything for that matter, it, it feels normal. That that lifestyle is normal to you. It doesn't feel like this. It, it does feel bad, but it doesn't feel like it's that bad until you actually get into a situation where it's normal and then it's mind-blowing because I went from pretty much the same situation as Mark. I had a drug addict mum, she was a prostitute, I was there were strangers in the house all the time, but like I say, that felt normal. And then I went into um, my first foster carers, who was amazing. She gave me everything, we went on trips, and it was just like... It was such a big transition being able to just go from going raiding through bins for your tea to going and having a home-cooked meal on the table and school and that's important now and rules and someone cares enough to say, no, you're not going out at 12 o'clock, you're grounded, what are you doing? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's such, it's such a transition and a lot of people don't take that into consideration. Do you know... You're just expected to go and be a normal kid. Like, just go and play with your friends. And whereas me and Mark was carers, do you know what I mean? We, I had my little sister, I had my little brother to think about. I'd always looked after them and we all got split up into different houses. It was such a big thing. My little sister was only three when we were separated. So she was like my baby from the day she got home from the hospital she was handed to me do you know and I felt that great sense of responsibility from such an early age that it's traveled with me all my life but it's been a big learning curve yeah do you know Mark was your brother took into care with you uh yeah he was um again it, it, it sounds a bit weird because like he, he was going to care with me uh my sister wasn't there was we found out later on that my sister should have gone into care with us and that lot but they decided to just put me and my brother into care and not my sister. Right. So then when we found out when we was like quite old, then yeah. it was like, sure, she said, she should have done that. Yeah. So she should have put you all together. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> because when we found out my sister wasn't going to come with us or go into care, we thought, we're the bad guys. Yeah. We was like, why are we getting punished? Yeah, why, like, why are we, yeah. You know, why are we not staying? With, you know, there's lessons month. to be learned there. Yeah, exactly. And like, I remember like when my brother's like, I'm not proud of it, it's, you know, it's my past, but it's like, I remember I have to do like, you know, back in the day when it was Jackson's, um, I used to have to, you know, sh- shoplift baby formula Yeah. for like my brother, because yeah. my mum and dad would be unconscious. Yeah. So just, like, just to be clear, Jackson's is a shop. Yeah, Jackson's It's now, it's now <laughs> been bought out by Sainsbury's. Yeah. Just, just, um, yeah, just, um, so, so both of you then, because obviously like Dion, you spoke about how amazing it was when you went to your first carers and all of a sudden, you know, there's all these things, that, there's this world that you didn't know about it. But was so just really quickly, my question would be, was was that like then your forever carers, if you like? Or was no, it- that was just like the temporary one. I stayed there for six months. Um, she was just doing respite. Although she really wanted to keep me and I really wanted to stay. It wasn't right for her in that situation. And I could obviously appreciate that she was getting got, she was getting on in her age and, you know, she went very well. And so it was made, the decision was made that we were, I was to move on. Um, but she was amazing. She really did make a massive difference in my life because, I mean, it, thinking about it now, it was over the top. She did everything for me, but it really did make a dif- 
difference when I was learning about what life is and what a normal life could be. Like, I remember on my birthday, she spoiled me rotten. She took me out and got me new trainers and clothes and a phone. And I just thought, like, wow, what is this? You know, like, what is life? What have I actually been living? And then it, it kind of like raises a lot of questions as to what your morals are and what you think is right. And do you know? That's what I mean. I think like when I was in my first care, that was brilliant. The only reason why I, we have to move because my my brother he was you know not selling there properly, and it was it, it it was a bit of a bummer because before we left, I even wrote my social worker a letter saying I want to stay here. I don't want to, you know, go with my brother. How how did the just for both of you just quickly to end this sort of like the, this section? How did social workers help them with that? Because obviously you were moved. How many how many carers did you go to before you found the one that you stayed with? I was with three, three, three. different carers. Cool. How about you, Mark? Uh, I was three different carers. And and then you found the ones yeah, that you stayed with. Yeah. So I mean, I really disliked my social worker, which is natural. She took me from. What I thought was normal, she separated from me from my family and it took a long time to realise that what she did was right. At the time, I really didn't like her, but she really did help with... So I remember the conversation. It was supposed to be a period of time where my mum had chance to get herself right. Um, she'd had plenty of opportunities before, but I think when she, my social worker came and had that meeting with me and my foster carer at the time, she like sat down and explained that actually you're not going to go back home and you're not going to have your brothers and sisters with you. I remember that talk. And it, it was heartbreaking, but I really respected her for the way that she did it. It, it was comforting because she had my social, my foster carer there. Do you know, she made sure that the situation was right. She didn't just bring me in and say, right, you're not going home. Do you know, we had a really in-depth conversation about how things was wrong at home and how things could get better without me there, do you know, without the added pressure. And as an adult, I can see now that my mum needed the time on her own because it is hard being a parent and it is hard when you've got an addiction. And I mean, thankfully she's clean now. We're, we've got a really good relationship, but she needed that time. And as a kid, I had a lot of understanding because of me being a carer. And I've always had quite a mature head on my shoulders, but just that her talking to me and giving me that sense of comfort in the fact that it might make things better if I don't go home, rather than just saying, right, you're not going home. She explained to me why I couldn't go home, do you know? And it really did make a difference. I suppose, yeah. Sorry, just really quick. I suppose it's that, um, it's that thing of, like, it's not ideal in the slightest. Yeah. But if you didn't give her that time then, then you'd have probably lost her forever. Yeah. I mean, quite possibly fatally, yeah. can't yeah, you? know, where, whereas the way it's turned out now, you, you, you're you still able to have a relationship and a yeah. good relationship with your mum now. Yeah. Which is, you know, yeah. Mark, sorry. Yeah, yeah, going back on what Dion said, like, I, I remember the first time we rocked up to the, uh, you know, my first carers and, you know, all, all the full family was there. It was a little bit overwhelming at first, but then I didn't even, like, give my mum a hug. Like, she was like, I'm going now. I was like, yeah, see there, why? Because I thought she was coming back. Um, and then, when it, like, went about an hour or so, I was just like, where the hell is she, do you know what I mean? Um, and then it was like, right, starting from, like, a month from now, you'll you'll see her, like, every, every fortnight or every week, you know? And, like, it did dawn on me, like I said, I cried for two weeks. 
but I, t- I kind of turned into an adult straight away when I was eight because I was like, I know this is the right decision because being brought up around drugs is a big no-no. That's one of the things about being the main carer, isn't it? You, you get that understanding on life a lot earlier and it takes away your childhood, but it also gives you a, a good head. Do you know, it gives you a good decision-making skills and, and all the rest of it. it yeah. It makes you like in a good way, streetwise. Yeah, you know, like yeah. In, a, in a mature way, you know, it gives you a lot of. We can assess situations yeah. a lot easier. Life, like, life intelligence. Yeah. Okay, so we'll come back to this in a bit. Then we're going to have a roundtable discussion between everyone. Sammy, I'm going to come and speak to you now. So, Sammy, do you want to talk to you? Because you've had a very a different experience. Not very different, but you've had a different experience with social services. Do you want to talk us through that? Yeah, so um, I unfortunately lost quite a lot of my sight. It started in December 19, but by the March 19, I was registered to feel sight impaired. Um, and obviously, I spent a lot of time in hospital. Um, and I got a phone call off the council but it was a sensory team and they told me it'd be I'd have a sensory worker come into my house for you know a few sessions and we'd go she came and she, obviously I found out she worked for adult social services so obviously I was oh my god I don't want this yeah. like no because no, you, you'd no. had an experience of social services before that hadn't you which made you slightly anxious about it yes and that was just a, a tiny little thing my daughter was about five months old, she'd banged her head, um, the hospital called social services on me, I wasn't allowed to take her home, I had to stay in the hospital for a week till they could come visit, I remember ringing a, a few people, crying my eyes out, you know, And but to be fair to them, um, looking back now, back then I was a mess and I was yeah. like, no. Because you worry as soon yeah, as it's yeah. social services, you think, well that's it then. But yeah. all they did was they just checked she was okay, they questioned as to how it happened and then decided we don't actually need to be involved. Yeah. But you know, back then I was angry about it, but now it's, they're just doing the job and it's, it's quite good that they did that. So yeah. So obviously when, when you get the call from adult social services. I was like, what? So now I'm being punished for something that I can't help. That's how I thought about it. I was like, well, I didn't ask for this and now I'm being punished for it. Um, and anyways, my centre worker came and we went on the school run together, just did like a few of our, a few of my um, daily routines, like walk routines or whatever. And then she explained to me that she would have to be with me and the children um, to decide, like, you know, to make sure that I'm okay with the children on my own, so my husband would have to come out of work. And obviously, one side of me was like, it's good that they're doing that, because, you know, they need to know I'm okay with my children on my own. But the other side of me was, like, real panicky and nervous, like, what are they going to say? They're going to... My husband's going to have to come out of work, and it's just... I'm getting punished for something. She's absolutely lovely. I'm still in contact with her now if I ever need anything. Um, And we... She, we went on the school run and um, it was just me and her and she crossed the road so the children never saw her. I remember I was walking home and my daughter was like, um, ma'am, there's some woman following us. I was like, she's probably not fair, we're on the school run. She, maybe she's going to shop or something. And she's like, no, she keeps looking at me. I'm like, fair, she's okay. Um, and anyways, we got further down near the pound stretcher and my centre worker came up to us and she was like, hiya. And she was like, I told you she was following his mum. She was like, I'm Natalie and I'm here to support your mum and help her make sure there's nothing she needs and, you know, stuff like that. And I was like, oh God, shaking all the way. I'm thinking, what's she going to say? Is she going to say something? Like, 
is the have I done something wrong and she just went you know what you obviously I have to do a few more sessions it can't be just one session but she said I've got the I've got one issue and it was the way near the school I'd crossed the road it was the way I'd done it because obviously there was a road at the opposite side coming towards us as well so she said obviously she corrected me on that and said you can do that better you could walk further up and then cross the road rather than crossing so you're not crossing into a, a road in the car yeah. yeah so <clears> obviously and that's all she said and she said you know, I've got no issues whatsoever with, you know, you being with your children on your own. We'll do a few more sessions just to to make sure. Um, and yeah, I was passed off. And also, I'd had quite a few people in during that time report me to social services because they just for there was just being malicious. And a few of the reports was I suppose people see you and you are different. Shouldn't be able to have your children of, on your own. Yeah, all of a sudden you've got this massive change in your life where your eyesight isn't as good, your hearing isn't as good. And, yeah. and, and so people see that and they think, oh, should she really have, yeah. People and I malicious. was like, when she rang me to tell me, I was like, the first time, um, we knew it was malicious. We knew exactly where it had come from, so that was fine. But then she'd had a few reports from a few other people um which obviously i don't know who they were just stating that i shouldn't be able to have my children on my own and i should always have someone with me obviously i as i said to her i would never take my children out on their own if i thought something bad was going to happen like if i thought i could not deal with that on my own you know what i mean i would never put my children in danger and she was like you don't need to worry about it i'm just letting you know we have had these reports but i've already passed you off you're amazing with the children on your own and with Ryan, she went, so there's no issues. You just carry on to live your life how you lived before that, you know. So that was really good. And But at first, I was real nervous. I was like, oh, God, am I going to get into an argument with a social worker here or what's going on? But I'd, because of my previous experience, I'd automatically jump to the conclusion of, that's it, they're going to take my kids away, or my husband's going to have to come out of work or whatever. But no, it was really good. She's lovely. I'm still in contact with her now. Um, if I've got anything and sometimes I just talk to her because I just need to offload and it could be about a little matter that's nothing to do with yeah. the children it could be an argument that I've had with Sally down the road yeah. I don't know who Sally is by the way but you know <laughs> what I mean um, you know so she's like she's not just like there to help she is there to help me obviously but it doesn't feel like she feels more like a friend yeah. at the same time is it to ha- you you know talk about how important it is then like to find the right social worker. Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, this could have gone the totally opposite way, you know. I suppose as well, it's not just about the social workers, it's about how you present yourself, you know. So I've worked with them, but I've I've done everything I've been asked um, and she's cooperated with me, you know, and I feel like it could have been very, very different. But also, it's you know, it's not just about... You've treated each other on the same level, haven't you? Yeah, of course. You know, she's yeah, come yeah. along. Yeah. She's treated you like an adult, obviously. She's not. And, so, I, didn't, I didn't feel like, like she was speaking down to me in any way. I didn't feel like I was being um, manipulated or being told that I'm a bad parent or being told you've done this, you've done that. At the end of the day, I made one mistake the way I crossed that road. And when she told me about it, I thought, oh, what's she going to say now? But she didn't. She just said, we can correct this. And then on our next few times of going out together, I corrected that mistake. And she was she was like, that's perfect. It's the way you've done it. You know, you've took it on board. And that was the only thing, you know, but it could have been a lot different. Yeah. And it's nice that you're then able to go back to her and say, right, I need a bit of, you know, either I yeah. just need a quick rant at someone or I need a little bit 
bit of advice on something. Yeah, I've been struggling. My son's been struggling since COVID and then since I got poorly, you know, I did spend a lot of time in hospital away from him and he wasn't allowed to visit due to COVID. He didn't want to speak to me on the phone. He didn't want to video call me, you know. He went through a stage of swearing because that's the only way he could get his his anger out, you know what I mean? Um, And I've rang her several times and she said, look, I'm not a child social worker. All I can do is give you, I can give you advice and her advice has always been great and I've always listened to it. And it just it just makes you feel like she's not against you, she's with you, she's on the same level as you, do you know what I mean? And that's nice, it's it's lovely. I just feel like sometimes I've picked up the phone for no reason and I'm like, hi Nile, I just thought I'd give you a quick, quick ring. Um, how are you? She's like, yeah, I'm really good, how are you? And we just talk about anything and she doesn't, then bring into it my sight or anything like that. So it's not, you don't feel like you're being judged. Yeah. She's, she's like, she's, it's like, she, I've got a friend, but obviously it's, um, it's not, is it? It's more of a, yeah. it's just a good relationship between the adult um, services and a parent, but it makes it better if you cooperate as well. Brilliant. Okay, great. Um, I saw Dion was chomping at the bit there to answer a question, um, uh, I think, about finding the right social worker as well. So we're going to come back in a minute for the third section where we're going to be talking to everyone about, you know, social workers and uh, finding the right social worker, but also that transition out of care as well. I know that Sammy mentioned it there where, you know, she still keeps in touch with um, Nicola. Is it? Natalie. Natalie, sorry, where you still keep in touch with Natalie. Um, so we'll talk about that with everyone as well. Thanks very much. Okay, so in this last section then, I wanted to bring everyone back in and talk a bit about transitioning out of care. Um, I just wanted to come to Dion and Mark though quickly. Um, so I, I was asked, I turned to Sammy just then, which you guys obviously heard, um, about finding the right social worker. Is like, is that important? And when, when you do find the right social worker, how, how is that? How big a difference so does that make? During foster care, I went for about 20 social workers all in my time because you get one and then you explain to them your situation and then they have to be moved to a different team or do you know it, it was quite fast paced when I was there so putting my trust into one of them was hard do you know and I, I got to the point where it was just like yeah just read my file because I can't be bothered with explaining it to you and then when I went into actual foster care and I got my proper social worker shall we say like the uh, we got took off my mum with one social worker and then I got one that was pretty solid after that, do you know? Um, and it was hard, but it, it was... I trusted her, do you know, because she'd explained a lot to me and it was... She'd treat me more like an adult. She, she'd treat me more like an adult and she heard my voice, whereas I didn't feel like a lot of the time it was even worth it back then because the the next social worker will be here in a few months. So, but when I actually got that social worker that was my proper one, um, yeah, she it was hard to transition and trust her. But after I found out that that she was there for a while and you know she'd already read through all my files and that's a big case file <laughs> so it was I give her her jewels and she under I felt like she understood me a bit better because she'd put in the effort to actually read my case files instead of me sitting there and explaining my life story over again she already knew most of it anyway and we could openly discuss that without me having to go back five years yeah, do you back know over it all every yeah time. so I mean it was hard to trust her but in the same time, I could 
understand that they was there to help, do you know? And I already had almost bad blood because with my old social worker because she took us from my she took me from my home, she split me up from my family. At the time, I thought, well, I don't need any help. I don't need to be away from my home. I need to be with my little sister who, who needs me. Do you know what I mean? And it was a lot to taking that the best decision for us was to be split up because I couldn't have let anybody do that job. Do you know, I were, I'm quite a strong-willed person. So if I'd have been placed with my brother and my sister, I wouldn't have been able to let anybody else do that job. I'd have been there doing it. And it took a lot to understand that. But once I did, I appreciated her a lot more. Yeah, great. So then moving on to sort of transitioning out of care, I know we're, we're skipping a lot of years here. Um, transitioning out of care then obviously Sammy you're going to have quite a different experience to these guys but we'll, we'll you know we'll discuss it as a group anyway I was, um, I was yeah, terrified how was it? Um, so I was 20 um, and I just fell pregnant with my first son and because I'd been involved with social care because I had friends that had had babies and done it wrong and you hear all the horror stories and my first instinct when you hear social services as a mother is, oh, you know, I'm worried, do you know, it makes you panic and you don't want nothing to do with them. I don't need any help with my kids, do you know what I mean? It makes you panic. But she was... My social worker was really good. Um, she made. She came in, did the home checks. She came. We went out and had a few meals. She saw how I handled the babies, and like I say, I raised my little brother and sister, so I didn't really have a, a hard time with it. Um, but she could just see that I was doing a good job, and ended up signing me off because of it. So in, in, in that in that sense, and the social worker really helped. Yeah. Because she helped calm that anxiety that you had. That, yeah, well, I... That you were worried that everyone else would think that, that it was going to be history repeating itself. Yeah, almost. for the first six months of my pregnancy, I ran away. I didn't tell social services I was pregnant. I ran off country. I didn't tell anybody where I went. Um, I ditched my friends, everything. And... It was all because of this anxiety. But then, so I moved to Preston in Lancashire and um, that's quite a way away to go. But then um, one of the head social workers got in touch with me because obviously when you go for your hospital meetings and stuff, I had to tell them that I'd been involved with social myself and they had to ring anyway. Um, and what I remember the first phone call I got, I, I saw the number come up and thought, shit, <laughs> I thought, oh no. <laughs> so I answered it and it was the one of the head people in social services and she said, what are you doing? She said, why have you Why have you gone all that way? I said, I'm not telling you where I've gone. She said, I know where you are. <laughs> she, said, she said, what are you doing? She said, don't panic. She said, Come back and we can sort this. She said, you didn't e- we didn't even know until we got a phone call. Do you know? She said, you don't need to panic. We're not going to be on your back. You might need to do a few assessments, but that's it. Do you know? come back <laughs> stop it <laughs> stop being silly and it gave me that sense of security although I was still wary yeah. and I ended up coming home so I suppose the transition for me was quite easy to be honest because you know we'd already built up a really good relationship and I think that's important and you know it's it, it, I guess it wasn't like a transition for me you know now I'm older if, if this was me when I was 14 it'd have been a different story but now I'm older and I know I, like they're not there to take your children away unless it's 
they're not there to do this they're there to actually help and support you but you know because they've got such i suppose they get such a bad name sometimes don't they and unfortunately that's just part of their job they are in that job to do their job and if they didn't do that then you know they're gonna be but you know i've still got her at the end of the phone if i ever need her you know i I suppose it's similar to dion's thing in that they'd gained your trust first and so then when there was that transition out then you knew like i know i've got you there for support if i need it um but 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 also but also i know also that you're just sort of quietly watching watching my back basically and just making sure that i'm all right and that the kids are all right and yeah which is, which i is could literally thing. ring her now and say natalie i'm really struggling getting to from my house to town and then she would literally be like right sam sam let's let's arrange a date let's what date do you want to do set a date and she'd come to my house she'd get on the bus with me and show, like do you know what I mean or if I said I'm really struggling with just me and the kids get like she she won't come and go right Ryan needs to come out of work mm-hmm. she'd come and she'd like she'd help with that situation until I was like oh, actually do you know it's not it's not as bad as I thought it was you know so like it's, it's that's a really positive experience for me rather than you know what other people's yeah, experiences yeah. are um, or what people think that the experience yeah. might be yes i suppose you guys have had more lived experience of it so you know you can reflect and look back on it and think yeah it was horrible at the time and i can see why people get anxious about it but in actual fact once you've been through it there are reasons for this and yeah, it cannot be all right one of the things i used to say growing up when i did the talks for you yeah, guys yeah, um, for and, and was that I wish it had happened sooner. I wish it, somebody had picked up on the signs. And I know that they did a great job with my mum afterwards, but it, it shouldn't have gone on for as long as it had. So, I mean, although it causes anxiety, like you say, it is a good thing that they do them checks so that people don't get missed and slip through the system. Yeah. Mark, what about you when you sort of left? Because you... you, you You've got a daughter now, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, when did, when did so your had, daughter was, wasn't there when you your daughter wasn't born when you transitioned out of care, was she? No, no. I had five social workers altogether. Um, like the, the the best social worker for me, I I think she wouldn't mind me saying her name. She was called uh, Shri Khan. Don't know if you've heard of her. She's a brilliant woman, brilliant woman. Um, and uh, unfortunately, we lost her. Um, but I, I still came in contact because I remember there was a there was a drama lesson one time in a building and she worked in that building and I remember I came out of taxi so I was just like because to me Shereen was like Shereen Karen she, she was just brilliant she was like a mum I've always wanted and like, she was, was she there so. when you transitioned out of care then? Uh, no no so basically I had, I had five different ones when I moved to my second care home because it was in middle of nowhere it was in Spalding Mall oh wow yeah yeah where's <laughs> really. that? It's uh, near Howden in Gold. Um Just really tiny area. Yeah. We, we had one neighbour. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but our, our, our front garden was like sized with two football fields. Yeah, yeah. So it was like, it was it was, it was brilliant. They took us to Florida, Turkey, you nice. know. Um, but it's like, with, with, with it being so far out and most of the social workers based in Hull and that lot where we came from, um, no one really wanted to do the journey. So we went through a lot of social workers because it was like, I don't want to pay this fuel. Do you know what I mean? We used to like look with the breaths and you know what I mean? And I could I, I could see why, I could see why. But it it was one of them things where I was speaking to, you know, Kay yeah. from, from drama. Um, and me and I was on the same page because I was talking to her about this uh, about a couple of months back. And um, 
she said exactly the same thing I said. Like, social workers should be with you, like, minimum of 12 months, you know, instead of, like, being there for, like, a week. You know I mean? This is the problem. When they do a good job, they'll get a promotion and move on, won't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, my my best one, I would say, what stayed until I got a, uh, what do you call it, a resident, what was it, resident? No, no. Residency order. Yeah, residency order. Did it you was, get a lot of help from social workers? No, because I was on the residency order. Oh, right, okay, So if, course, you, were, yeah. if you was on a residency order, you didn't get any of that benefits. Right. Um, so, like, when I got, like, would, do like, you think like that would have helped had you have... Oh, yeah, it would have helped a lot. Um, but I, unfortunately, I didn't have that. So I was, like, chucked in the deep end. Um, but, like I said, I got into work quite quickly. Um, and I, 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 at one point, I came in number one seller at Savers in town. There we go. <laughs> number one seller. What, um, what, what a beautiful way to end that. I know, right? <laughs> um, um, we're going to wrap up there, guys. But thank you very much for everyone sharing their experiences. And um, yeah, you've been listening to Podcast Corner with Freedom Road Creative Arts. And today, just as a reminder, we've had with us. Thank you very much to Mark, Dion, Sammy. There we go. Thanks very much. Join us again. Bye bye.